Welcome to a new season of NFL Draft Preview presented by Verizon. Ethan Greenberg and Dane Brugler in the flesh. This might be like the first podcast in the last three years that we've done in person. Yeah, you know, I mean, we, we every every combine we catch up, every, you know, usually at the senior bowl. Yep. But, yeah, I feel like most of the time I'm looking at you in a box. So it's uh, <laughs> good to see you in person. Yeah, it's nice to see you in person as well. You're battling through this week. Uh, yeah, I am. You know, when you have four younger kids and uh, this time of year, it's always tough. But uh, a lot of talking this week. But yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll power through. We'll make it happen. You know. That's uh, your diet this week, cough drops and some warm water. Probably not. <laughs> probably better than, I know I said this to you yesterday, yeah, yeah. better than a lot of the media members here throughout the week. Pro- the probably healthier. Yes, yeah, healthier. probably. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, you got to find that secret sauce and hopefully it, <laughs> it works out. But Dane's not a tea guy. We learned that this morning. I'm not. You know, I, I, I it's well documented. I have the, the diet of, a, of an eight-year-old. And With so, the Mountain Dew? Diet Mountain Dew, yes, Diet Mountain yes, Dew, yes, yes. Um, but uh, you know what? It's sometimes desperate times call for desperate measures. You got to do what you got to do, and this is an important week. We got we have a lot to talk about. That we do have a lot to talk about. So we're going to preview the combine, but first, I just wanted to kind of set up the Jets draft and the overall setup yeah. of the draft because this is the first year in three drafts the Jets don't have two first round picks, <laughs> and so they have the thirteenth pick in the first round. And we'll talk about a lot of the, the guys that have been mocked to the Jets because I think as of now, you're kind of the outlier. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But the Jets don't have a ton of capital like they have in the past, but also mm-hmm. they had a very good draft last year, I'd to say, say so. the least. Let's just start with the general picture. What do you think are the strengths and weaknesses of this overall 2023 draft class? Yeah, I think it's a draft where – the intrigue, I mean, it's always the quarterbacks, right, where the intrigue starts, and very much so with this class. You've got four quarterbacks at the top where you talk, go team to team, you're going to get a different order, one through four. Um, how they see them coming off the board, how they're graded, uh, beauties in the eye of the beholder. I feel like we talk about that every year, but it's it's so true in a quarterback class like this where you've got guys that have, each one has flaws, but each one's very good in their own right. And so uh, each team's going to look at it a little bit differently with their scheme, with their culture. Um, and so it starts with the quarterbacks. That's where that's where it all starts. And if you're the Jets, I mean, you're sitting there at 13. I, we don't think the Jets are going to draft a quarterback. Probably, you know, we, we feel pretty good they're going to add a veteran yeah, at some point. It's definitely trending in that direction. Right. Um, so, you know, if you're the Jets, you're, you're thinking there's probably four quarterbacks going to come off the board in front of you. Good chance knocks a, another good player down to you. Uh, in terms of the non-quarterbacks, I think it's there's two guys at the top, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter. After that, that's when it, there's a lot of debate. Who's in that second tier? Uh, how many are in that second tier? And what's the gap between that first tier and second tier? Uh, and I, I think there's a pretty decent gap between that first tier and second tier. There's some good players in that second tier. I, I love Christian Gonzalez, the corner out of Oregon. Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech has a lot of ability. Um, Brian Branch from Alabama is one of my favorite players in this draft. But overall, you know, I think it's it's a draft with not a ton of blue chippers. But I think when you go to certain positions, the depth is really there. First round, second round, third round, edge rusher, tight end. Um, so for certain positions, it's a really deep group. Okay, so going off of what you just said, if you're the Jets at 13, based on what you just said, it seems like, I know this is early considering this is March 1st when mm-hmm. we're recording this and the draft isn't for essentially two months. Right. If you're there at 13 and you have a cluster 
and you know that there's good depth, this might be one of the drafts where you elect to trade back or be pretty open to it. And we've I, seen Joe Douglas do that in the past. Right, and, and you're always looking to trade back. You're, you're always hoping to have those options. You know, you want your phone to ring. So I, when it comes to your pick, if the guy you want is there, you take him. If, you know, you're kind of split, you're not, you, you like the guys available, maybe don't love them, you have, hopefully have that option where if you want to move back, you can do that. And Because I think this is a draft where a second round, third round, there's there's plenty of depth at some some key positions, um, and you know I keep mentioning Ed Rusher. That's it, it's just it's such a deep group this year. Uh, it, you go into the second round, third round, and there's some good names there that you feel like can help your team. What does a second round or third round pass rusher look like in the NFL? Well, you know, it, there's something something wrong with them. Obviously, that they didn't go first round. Whether they're a little undersized, or maybe they didn't have the testing numbers. Uh, maybe they're more traits than production in college, so they don't have they didn't have double digit sacks. But you know what? Uh, you know, Daniel Hunter, uh, classic example of a guy who had the traits, didn't have the production. So you know, I think that's where scouting comes in, and you have to identify those guys and say, okay, you know what? We, uh, you know, a guy like B.G. Ajulari from LSU. A guy who's a little bit undersized. Of Aziz. Exactly. A Giants pass rusher. Uh, has a lot of ability, but maybe a little undersized. Maybe, you know, might not go first round. But in the second round, he's sitting there. I, I'd love the value at that point. Does he also have is – it, was it Aziz Audulari that was shorter with long arms? Yeah, right. Does his brother also have long arms? It, 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 we'll find it officially here this week uh, you know, at the Combine. But, you know, yeah, he is a little bit undersized, but he's – you could tell he watches his older brother. You know, you could tell he's right. he's really in tune with how to win. You know, even though he is a little bit smaller, using that to his advantage. So using his pad level, uh, using that leverage, and, you know, just throw on an LSU tape, and he is fun to watch. He, he's a guy you wind up and just let him rush. Speaking of brothers, Nate Herbig, Jets guard. Yeah. His brother, Nick Herbig, was right. just talking over there, and he was talking about how much he learned from actually Nate and Lane Johnson watching those guys work out together yeah. in the offseason. He worked out with them, yeah. Yeah, and he said that offensive linemen having a different mentality mm-hmm. really work out with a chip on their shoulder, which you could definitely see that in the way that <laughs> Nate Herbig plays the game. But before we get to the combine preview, I just want to ask you a couple a couple fun questions that okay. set up the 2023 draft. The first one is, what's your favorite player name? that you've come across so far oh man um player name um shoot that's a good one i'm really putting you on the spot here. yeah 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 no, i'm trying to think here um i you know there's there's a lot of classics you know like, like lucas van ness it just it sounds like a bond villain you know it's like that's a good one um uh you know there, there's some you know more catchy names later on the draft but you know the the more notable ones yeah like lucas van ness is great um Gosh, I'll, I'll keep thinking about yeah, that. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. You can come back to us. The other one is you're so great at finding people's backstories. Mm-hmm. Is there a backstory that stands out to you at this point in the draft? Because the one that I keep coming back to, whenever I see Jalen Watson, the Chiefs' corner, right. I always think about you, Wendy's. Yeah, the Wendy's. Uh, right, right, right. Didn't qualify to. What, he went to JUCO, didn't qualify to go to USC, worked at a Wendy's, yep. ended up at Washington State. Yep, that's it. Then he ended up having a very successful rookie year in Kansas City. So that's the one that stands out to me as just an awesome story that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Is there one that comes to mind for you th- at this point? Uh, there's always, I mean, there's there's so many, and they're all, they'll all be in the draft guide. You know, it's there's a lot of fun ones. Yeah, um, where are we at in the Beast right now? And it's an ongoing, uh, you just gave me, like, uh, anxiety saying it's already March. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it's uh, work on it every day, and... 
you know, we'll see where we are when the, when the dust settles and, you know, first week in April. But, uh, yeah, I, my favorite is probably Tyson Bajant, the quarterback from Shepard, D2 quarterback who's here. This is incredible already. Uh, his, I mean, he's a Shepard. I mean, he grew up in the panhandle of West Virginia, you know, born and raised. A uh, good player. I mean, he he entered the transfer portal. Um, he, he won the Harlan Hill, the D2 Heisman, basically, as a junior. Entered the transfer portal. Maryland wanted him. Northwestern wanted him. Uh, West Virginia wanted him. Uh, he decided to stay put and, you know, had a really good career. He's the all, NCAA all-time leader in passing yards. So, you know, fun story, but the, the best part about it is his dad. His dad is a professional arm wrestler. He has won 28 world championships, left-handed and right-handed. And he's an ambidextrous arm wrestler? He's naturally left-handed. Uh, or, no, he's right-handed, but then he, he realized, hey, there's a market here for left-handers, so I'm going to do left-handed too. Um, I, I've spent some time with him. He is a fun, fun guy, uh, <laughs> really fun. I did a story on Tyson back in December, and I talked to his dad for about an hour uh, about it, and, man, he's just a, a really fun guy. He's, uh, he, he's someone that you will it's just say the Jets drafted Tyson in the seventh round. Mm-hmm. You would hear from Travis, his dad. Uh, he, he is a fun guy to talk to. Um, and it's just a fun story because he is literally a world champion. He's won 28 world championships. Uh, he's very open about it. He's like, no, that's, that's how I make my living. He's, you know, uh, Tyson knew it was going to be a good Christmas or not based on how I won that year. Uh, oh so it's just uh, it's a based really fun story. Strength. Oh, yeah. And, and I'd I, be an awful arm wrestler. Well, and I asked Tyson, you know, did you ever wrestle your dad? And he's like, no, it's whack. So uh, he, he's – it doesn't run – but you know what? Strong arms run in the family because he's a pretty good quarterback. Yeah. Well, that, that's, a, that's a great story. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see what else comes out as you start to dig up on these players. But we are at the Combine, so I do think it's fitting that we talk about the Combine. And mm-hmm. There's a couple things that people should know about as they tune into the coverage and just see what happens on social media and whatnot. The top storyline, it has to be the weight of Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback. I, I'm sure it is, but you know what? I don't I don't really care that much. He's yeah. small. Like, you know. Call I, a spade a spade. Yeah, he, he's a small quarterback. If he's 195 pounds or 201, does it really matter that much? You know, he is a small quarterback. Um, yeah, I know he's been trying to put on the weight for here at the Combine. If he is over 200 pounds... That's great, but his playing weight is in the low 190s. Are you – where do you stand if I set the over-under at the weigh-in at 199.5? My guess, uh, you know, going into this was he's going to be 5'10 and a half, 198 pounds. Okay. So, you know, I, I think he'll be drinking a lot of water that morning. <laughs> um, you know, it's – he's not – he's not throwing here, which I think, you know, he, he's been trying to focus on adding weight. I see. And I have I have a sneaky suspicion at the pro day when he's going to throw, he won't weigh in. I see. Um, you so know, do just all you can works. to weigh in as best you can. Right, right. Lose whatever weight to make you. Which is kind of silly. Like again, we know he's small. That's you know, it's not like uh, it's gonna it's gonna change anybody's mind if he comes in at two hundred two compared to one ninety two. Um, he's a small quarterback, and that's that's the biggest thing. Because if you if you were six three two twenty. He'd be the slam dunk number one overall pick. We, it wouldn't be a discussion. It wouldn't, you know. But the fact that he is a complete outlier size-wise, that makes it interesting. Uh, the last twenty-five years, there have been three hundred and one quarterbacks drafted. Only two were below six foot and below two hundred pounds. Neither of those guys were drafted top one hundred. So this is a complete outlier size-wise, and it's, it's kind of a testament to how good he is as a quarterback that we're still talking about him as 
uh, a strong candidate to be that number one overall pick. But you do think that is maybe nationally the top storyline, maybe not a yeah, storyline yeah, for you. Right, okay. yeah, that, I think that's fair. I mean, that's a lot of people are going to be interested to see what he comes in at. Height-wise, you know, is, is he over 5'10"? Uh, Weight-wise, does he get over 200 pounds? Yes. It's, we just haven't seen a quarterback like this uh, in recent memory. I mean, you have to – people get so tied up with, you know, comparisons, and uh, it's just hard to find a true comparison for him because we haven't had a guy like this, uh, you know, this size be this talented. And so, you know, you hear all the time, oh, we've, we've never seen a quarterback succeed in the NFL this size. Well, I, I would, my argument to that is we've never seen a quarterback with his level of talent this size either so you know i don't think we've really seen a player like bryce young at the nfl level before okay so i was going to ask you the player with the most to prove but i want to add a qualifier that it can't be a quarterback because the quarterbacks i think you were talking about it a little bit before if you're following the draft or you're just starting to to your point it seems like the order is in the eye of the beholder, one yeah. through four. So with guys like Will Levis out of Kentucky and Anthony Richardson, like they, they might put on a show. They might they might not based on right. how they look in shorts and a T-shirt. But if I were to throw in the, the qualifier of a non-quarterback with the most to prove, who do you think that is? Well, it, because you did bring up those two names, I, I do want to mention like with Anthony Richardson how – just, you know, he's going to wow during the workouts, but how important the interview process is for a guy like that who he has under 400 pass attempts in college. You know, he's a redshirt sophomore, still very young. So that interview process is going to be huge for teams just to understand where he is in his development. What what does he know? What doesn't he know? And, you know, because that, that's all going to factor in into how early we can get him on the field. Because uh, I think this is a player that needs these reps. You know, I don't I don't know that you're going to draft Anthony Richardson and then sit him for two years. You know, that's not – he. you want him on the field to get better. And because the biggest issue with him is just the consistency factor, especially with his accuracy. You want him getting consistent reps with number with your number one uh, offense out there. So the interview process for Anthony Richardson is going to be huge. Um, in terms of the non-quarterbacks, uh, you know, who has the most to gain, Jackson Smith and Jigba, the Ohio State wide receiver who, you know, was so productive uh, a a year ago as a sophomore, um, actually had better production than Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave for the Buckeyes, missed basically this entire year uh, with a hamstring injury. And so I don't even know. He's probably not going to be able to work out this week. I don't know. But it's going to be a big week for him. Hopefully we do get to see him do some stuff. Um, But this entire process for Smith and Jigba is going to be really important. He's not an elite athlete. That's not what makes him a productive receiver. But he just, you know, he can't test like a bad athlete. And I kind of wonder if this is going to be like – uh, you remember last year with Drake London, who you know we're waiting all draft process. What's he going to run? What's the what's the testing going to be? Never never ended up testing. Uh, at his pro day, he caught caught passes and things like that, but never ended up running a forty. And you know what? Worked out okay. He was still the first receiver drafted uh, with Smith and Jig, but we'll see if he follows the same thing. Where you know we never actually see him run a forty or anything like that. But all I know is he's a really good route runner, really good ball skills. You're going to plug him in in the slot, and he's going to be a really productive, high-volume target very early in his career. I think when you read the tea leaves of what happened to Smith and Jigwa this season, I think if you're just looking at it, you're like, that's a little fishy. Like, a hamstring injury shouldn't necessarily prevent somebody from playing all season. But then yet again, Drake London's a great point. Even I'm thinking about Nick Bosa, his last year. But it was different because – yeah. The circumstances were much different. Also, I think people thought, okay, that was a season-ending injury. Nick Bosa is an extremely talented player, and he's just going to get ready for the draft. So. Well, and you talk to people that have had ha- like really bad hamstring injuries. It's one of those things that if you come back 
a day too early and it, it just re-aggravates it and you're out another couple weeks. You know, it's just one of those injuries that it's tough to know when you're good to go. And the moment you think maybe you are, then that's when you injure it even a little bit more and you just prolong how long you're going to be out. And I think that's, that was the case with Smith and Jigba, who tried to come back a couple times uh, throughout the course of the season. Um, you know, I mean, Ohio State was a national title contender up until the end. So I, I have no doubt that he wanted to be out there, wanted to play. I mean, he's really close with, with C.J. Stroud and a lot of those guys. So, um, you know, it's a shame. Uh, just, you know, we, we were robbed of seeing that offense at full strength. Mm-hmm. Um, even without full strength, they came within a missed field goal of beating Georgia and uh, likely going on to win a national title against TCU. Um, so, you know, it's it's a shame we couldn't see him out there because he's a really good player. But, you know, I, I don't, you know, when his name started popping up in top 10 of mock drafts, I don't think that was ever really realistic. I don't think he's viewed that way. But he's still a potential first-round pick. And getting out there, being able to catch passes, kind of reminds scouts that, hey, I'm still still a really good player. Um, you know, that, that's going to be important for him throughout this process. Combine week, you always see some freaky numbers. Yeah. Can you give us some players who you think will just be atop of, the, like, the freakiest numbers? We're, we're definitely going to have some, that's for sure. Um, you know, Devin A-Chain, the running back from Texas A&M, uh, was also a track athlete at A&M. Um, and he's it, not a, a track guy playing football. He was football through and through. Uh, led the SEC in all-purpose yards this year. Uh, you know, he, he's just a really good player. Uh, this uh, Earlier this year, in March, he ran... Uh, 20.20 in the 200 meters, which just for context, to qualify for the Olympics, you have to be 20.24. So he was under what you had to do for qualify for Olympics. So an amazing speed athlete. And it translates to the field because he, he controls his gear so well. Um, I'm eager to see how much he weighs in at. He's listed at 185. We don't see a lot of running backs under 190 have you know productive NFL careers. Now, you get over 190, you can you can work with that. You know, we've seen guys drafted in the first round under 200 pounds at that position, whether it's Chris Johnson or uh, C.J. Spiller, uh, Javid Best. We've seen it before, but for Chris Johnson, as in like speedy Chris Johnson, yes. Because as you said this, Chris Johnson and C.J. Spiller both were Jets at one point. They were, yeah, that's exactly right. But both under 200 pounds, both speed guys, and I think Achain could be that. Um, uh, after Achain, you know, I, I think a lot of these pass rushers are going to test really well. You know, like. Not quite Travon Walker, but like Lucas Van Ness from Iowa. 275, might get in the four fives in the 40. Uh, really freaky athlete. Um, I'm a big fan of Christian Gonzalez, the Oregon corner. Fascinating background. His dad is a uh, semi-professional basketball player, 6'9", from Columbia. Um, you know, his older sister, uh, both older sisters are accomplished track athletes. His older sister, Melissa, who is married to David Blau, the NFL quarterback, she was in the Olympics um, for Columbia uh, in Tokyo. And uh, so it's it's uh, one of those things that he has, he got some of those bloodlines too, some of those genes. And I, I think he's going to put on a show. He's 6'2", right around 200 pounds. Going to run in the four threes, going to jump really well. So Christian Gonzalez is one of those corners. Keely Ringo, another one from Georgia, 6'2", 215, cut up. Uh, speed's going to be outstanding. He's going to test off the charts. So plenty of uh, big testers here this year. If I had to ask you right now to crown the fastest 40, which I think you did correctly last year. Uh, who was it last year? You know, I, I, I really wish you didn't ask me. <laughs> now i got to look it up. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think who was the fastest 40 last year. We had... We did, we did have a few. This year, I do think A-Chain has a good chance. Um, I, I think that having that track background is so so important because you 
you understand how to get down to the stance. You had to explode with your technique. You understand how to uh, just the mechanics of how to get the best time. And so a chain, he has, I think he's at least one of the top three favorites to run the fastest 40. I think Christian Gonzalez is in there. Um, Keely Ringo, who I mentioned also in there, but if I had a bet, I'm probably going with a chain. Kalon Barnes. Yeah, Baylor. Yep, yeah, that's right. That, uh, I'm pretty sure you hit that on the head. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because Tyquan Thornton was also in the running. He was the third fastest behind Tariq Woolen. Yep. Obviously, Tariq Woolen had a fantastic yeah, year. He did. But I'm pretty sure you hit that on the head last year. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I mentioned it a, a, a ton last year at the Combine was how Baylor was bringing a track team to yeah. Indianapolis. How, you know, with, with Thornton and, and Barnes and... Uh, yeah, they and that goes back to uh, just how they recruited and Matt Rule. He was looking for athletes, and you know, a couple of years later, it manifested itself uh, here at the combine. Okay, so I was, you've given us some players that you're intrigued to see how they perform, yeah. you know, how they weigh in and stuff like that. One thing I just want to ask you. Well, I want to ask you two things before we wrap up episode one of NFL Draft Preview presented by Verizon. The first one is. A lot of people right now in the mock draft circuit have the Jets taking a tackle, whether yeah. that's Broderick Jones, whether that's Paris Johnson, and we'll talk about those guys at a future date. But you went in a different direction with Brian Branch. Just simply put, why? Well, I mean, what's the safety, uh, really, the, you know, the including Nickelback in that mix, what, what's that depth chart look like next year for the for the Jets? You know, it's, it's a little unsettled right now. So I, I think that... You look at a guy like Brian Branch, who is, in my opinion, clearly the top safety this year. Um, now, every team's going to look at him a little bit differently. Is he, can he, is he a true safety? Is he strictly a nickel? I'm of the belief he could play anywhere you want in the secondary. You want to play on the perimeter as a corner? He could do that. There's nothing in his tape that says he can't do that. Um, you know, he plays that Minka Fitzpatrick uh, star role in that Alabama defense, and in a lot of ways, he, he's very similar to Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, not not as big, and I think that's the big concern with him. Uh, is he, you know, a lot of 10 years ago, if you're under 200 pounds, a lot of teams aren't drafting you at safety. You have to be at least over 200 pounds. In today's NFL, with the way that Brian Branch can match up and be that type of weapon, um, I, I think that's incredibly valuable because you can he can line up you line him up in the slot. He can face tight ends. He can play the post. You can play him man to man. You could do so many things with Brian Branch that that separates him from more traditional safeties uh, that that we see. So this is not a great safety group. Um, you know, I don't. I, if I had a guess, I would say. Brian Branch is the only true safety that's going to go in the top 50. Maybe another one sneaks in there. Um, Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M, even though he's even he, he's more of a nickel as well. But, uh, you know, I think that with uh, with Branch, you're just getting a versatile guy that can fill a lot of hats uh, and just do a lot of things for you. And he, he's just he's a smart player. He's athletic. He's tough. Um, you know, like I said, he's a smaller guy. But you never watch his tape and say, "Ooh, you know, like it's I wish you were bigger because he's He's not missing tackles. He's showing up. I mean, he's he's doing a lot of things that you want out of your safety and your nickel. The star defense or the star role in the Alabama defense, mm-hmm. is that just basically what you said in terms of a versatile piece? You line him up wherever and – he does anything and everything. I mean, it's basically you're a nickel. You're 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 playing a nickel corner role, but also serving as a safety who can play in the box, depending on how you know what's the personnel grouping on offense. Um, you know, basically, so you don't have to you know you don't have to come off the field. You know, it's it's their nickel package is their base package at Alabama, and that star is a an integral part of what they do. So. Um, being able to match up with whatever, it, whether it's speed in the backfield, size in the slot, whatever it is, whatever offenses are going to throw at you, 
Brian Branch gives you that versatility to match up. So one final question for you, and admittedly, I will preface this by saying it is a selfish question of me, but it is also because I've not been able to ask this question in many, many years. Okay. Syracuse has three players at the Combine. Who? Syracuse. Math- okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. You ever heard of them? Yeah. You ever heard of them? Um, they're known for basketball except for this year. So there's three players. Matt Bergeron, yeah. who is at the, the, the Senior Bowl. Garrett Wilson. Not Garrett Wilson. Garrett Williams. Williams. Garrett Wilson's a Jet. I'm getting my, my team's mixed up here. <laughs> and... Lastly, Sean Tucker. Yeah. How would you power rank them as prospects? Uh, well, I think clearly Bergeron's the top of the group. I, I think he has a chance to be a top two-round player. Uh, did a nice job for them at left tackle. Um, I, his best fit might be inside a guard as a zone guard. That, that might be where he is. Because he's so good as a run blocker. Um, Ooh, he, Syracuse player, so good. Love that. Uh, <laughs> as a run blocker. Now, pass protection, <laughs> that's where it, it falls apart a little bit. And that's why we're talking about him as a second or third-round pick. But um, as a run blocker, he's really, really talented. With uh, the ACL injury uh, for for Williams, uh, that kind of clouds it a little bit. Um, in terms of if if he were healthy, I would say clearly Garrett Williams next at the corner, um, and then Sean Tucker. But because of the ACL, um, this is a big week for him. You know, not going to work out. But what's the injury look like? Are teams okay with it? Um, you know, just uh, the rehab, everything like that. So. This is a big week for Garrett Williams, and then uh, with, uh, with with Sean Tucker, he he should show up well, pretty pretty well here. He's a track guy, yeah. so you know testing. He, he has a really good sixty meter time that translates really well to the forty yard dash. So Sean Tucker should do a, have a really good week here. I'm not as high on Sean Tucker as a lot of people. Um, you know, it's a really deep running back group this year. Uh, Bijan Robinson's going to be a first round pick. Jameer Gibbs from Alabama, in my opinion, is a first round pick. And then you've got a clump of 10 to 12, 15 running backs in that second to fifth round range. Tucker's in there somewhere. I think he's probably more in that fourth to fifth round range. But uh, he's a good player. I I really like him in the screen game. I'll take it. And Sean Tucker was a great player for Syracuse. He was. At the end of the day, it makes me happy. It makes me happy hearing you talk about it. It makes me happy that we're able to do the first episode of NFL Draft Preview presented by Verizon in person. Thanks for powering through. And then, you know, I guess next week I'll see you back in, in the box. Yeah, we'll, we'll have plenty to recap. Uh, instead of talking about who's going to run the fastest time, we'll talk about who actually did. And, maybe maybe uh, we'll talk about you being two for two in the last two years. That's it. So, yeah, officially I'm going with A-Chain. Yeah, we'll, okay. we'll see how that works out. Okay. All right, Dane, appreciate the time. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, man.